in the uh, free worship time, uh, as Kenny was sharing, uh, just kind of the word of the Lord there was flowing. One part of it, he, the Lord was trying to speak to us how he had not, we didn't choose him, he chose us. I didn't tell Kenny what I was going to be preaching from this morning, but we're going to, our text is going to be John 15. And uh, I really want to just, I hope I can do just even begin to, to speak in such a way that you can get the heart that I feel the Holy Spirit is reaching out to us with. There are so many things on the horizon. You look at the, you watch the news, you, you listen to people talk every day, you just listen to your own conversations, look at your own life. And there are so many things that seem to be just swirling around out of control. It's hard to kind of... Uh, uh, get a bead on things. You, you, do you ever? You don't have to raise your hand, but do you ever just feel like you're treading water? Just like, man, I'm 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 surviving. I'm I'm staying. My head stays above water, but man, I'm treading water. I'm getting really tired. I hope another big wave doesn't come real soon because I'm just. It just seems like I'm just barely got enough strength to stay afloat. It's because it's. I feel like the world, the culture, and the enemy, the flesh as well, just keep overwhelming us with one thing after another. But it doesn't have to be that way. And I want to really emphasize today what I just felt the Holy Spirit keep emphasizing to me as, as He was burning this message into my heart. It is a choice. Because God has offered to us everything that we need to have life in Him and strength and peace. In John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine. I'm your source of nourishment. I'm your source of strength. I'm your source of health. I'm your source of hope. I'm your source of peace. I'm your source of life. I'm your source of provision. I'm your source of protection. I am. I am. Matter of fact, he could have just stopped there in that name for God. I am. When Moses met God uh, on the backside of the desert tending sheep for his father-in-law and, and saw the bush that was burning but wasn't consumed and God spoke to him and gave him his commission to go back to Egypt, and free the people of Israel. He asked him, who should I say has sent me? And he said, I am. I am. I am everything, Moses, that you need. I am everything that you need to know. I am everything that you need provisionally. I am everything you need in every way. I am. And Jesus says to us, to his disciples, he says, I'm your vine. I'm your source. I'm where everything that you're going to... I don't care what it is that you need. If you really need it. You need provision, you need hope, you need direction, you need peace, you need healing. He says, I am. I'm the vine. I'm where you're going to go to get that. I'm the source. You don't get this anywhere else. We have become a nation, of, or a church even, in this nation, that have accepted substitutes for what only Jesus can provide in our life. Sometimes those substitutes are marketed as Christian, but they're really substitutes. We substitute a five-minute devotion, as good as that is, to say that we've done that devotion and fulfilled our obligation rather than digging into the Word of God as if the Word of God is the source of our life. We've substituted a few minutes in prayer rather than seasons spent locked away in what Jesus called a closet a place where you 
Shut yourself away from distraction and shut yourself. It doesn't matter where it is, but a place where you're not going to, your, your, your cell phone's not there, your iPad's not there, your Kindle's not there. Anything that's going to distract you is not there. And for a season, every day, you're spending time in the presence of the Almighty One who is the vine. And you're receiving nourishment and healing, and wisdom, and strength. But instead, we accept substitutes. We accept somebody else's revelation instead of revelation for what we... Now listen, please understand. There are probably very few people, and I don't say this to brag, I just love to read. Okay, so it's not a big, as big a deal that I read a lot of books as it would be if you don't like to read and you read one. Okay, so I'm not pumping myself up, but I do like to read. So there's probably very few people who read more books than I do on a given week because I love to read and I love to spend time and I get great insight from some of the great men and women of God that God gives revelation to, but sometimes it can become a substitute to get revelation from somebody else rather than spending time alone in the presence of God until God drops revelation from His Word into our own heart so that we don't have to depend on somebody else's revelation and somebody else's anointing and somebody else's Word. Listen, I'm all for the body of Christ and we do need one another, but I want to tell you something. You can't be of much help to one another until you learn to get into the presence of God and receive what only the vine can produce for you yourself. So that maybe you can be someone who provides nourishment and strength for someone else who needs hope. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. I'm the real thing. I'm what you're looking for. And you can compare anything else you want to him. He says, I'm the real thing. I'm the one you're looking for. I'm the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me, every branch that's connected to me, every child of God, every branch that's in me that does not bear fruit. Now, I I want to, and you, you can differ a little bit on this, and that's fine scripturally. I believe fruit can be the traditional idea. The traditional idea of fruit is... Man, I'm out there doing ministry and somebody's getting saved, somebody's getting filled with the Holy Ghost, somebody's getting delivered, somebody's getting healed. We're out there doing, building great things. And that can be a kind of fruit, okay? So I'm not knocking that. If that's what you believe fruit is, I'm sure that's included. But the only place in Scripture that I find the Bible actually saying this is fruit is in Galatians chapter 5, where it identifies the fruit of the Spirit. And it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, self-control, and you know the list. It goes on. That's the fruit I believe they're talking about because it doesn't matter what kind of ministry you're involved in. If you don't have that fruit, you're not really going to be that productive anyway. You're just giving people what you can give them, and what you can give them isn't going to get them out of their pit that they're in. might make them feel better for a little while, but it's not going to ultimately set them free. But if you'll give them what only Jesus can give through you, then it can set people free instead of just making them feel better for a moment or for a season of time. So... I believe that the term fruit can include both, but I believe it primarily refers to the fruit of the Spirit. And he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit. So here's, apparently, you can be a Christian, be a branch in him, but not always be producing love and not always be producing peace and not always be producing joy and not always be walking in kindness and not always having self-control. Don't raise your hand, but some of you... Like, I'll raise mine. I can identify with that. So here's what God does. 
He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, if you're, you're in a season that you just don't feel like any of the fruit of the Spirit is being produced in your life, there's no productivity. Here's the good news. I want to stop before I say anything else. God wants you to produce fruit. God wants you to be productive. God is not just distant off there somewhere, just glad that you're saved and going to get to heaven one day. I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. If all God was interested in is getting you to heaven, he should have taken us on immediately and left all the problems in between and forgot about them. I don't know about you, but that would have been all right with me. I'm all ready for that. That's good. But he didn't. You're here. And you're here for a purpose. And that's because God wants you to produce fruit. And he's going to make that clearer as we go on in John chapter 15. He wants you to be productive. He wants good things coming out of your life, the life of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. But sometimes we're not connected like we need to be to the vine. Sometimes we're not staying in the vine and receiving our nourishment from the vine and our wholeness from the person of Jesus. We're trying to get what only Jesus can give us, but we're trying to get it from other places. It doesn't work. Fruit's not coming forth. So, if you're not bearing fruit, God's not going to just stay off aloof and distant and say, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. They're going to heaven someday, so that's all I'm interested in. No. If you're not bearing fruit, he says, the one who is in me that doesn't bear fruit, he says, that person, the vine dresser, who's the father, he takes away. Now, that term is misleading. Now, I don't mean that the Bible's wrong. I mean that the interpreters, that term actually doesn't, we think, take away. Well, you think when you think take away. It means he plucks them out and throws them out. Now, they're going to talk about that in a minute, but that term actually means lifts him up. That's what the actual Greek means. That means when the vine dresser comes in and he sees a vine or branch that's not producing the fruit, he takes it in and he lifts it up. And he takes special care of that particular branch. He begins to really focus his attention on that particular branch that's not bearing fruit right now. He, he, he just lifts it up and begins to care for it, make sure that it's fertilized the way it needs to be, make sure that it has room to grow. If you don't feel like you are bearing the kind of fruit that you want to bear or need to bear, you feel like you're bearing no fruit, understand something. God's not going to just leave you like that. He's going to come to you, and that's good news. But when he does, he's going to lift you up. And he's going to begin to put things in your life that can cause the fruit to grow. Now, if you are bearing fruit, he's going to do something with you too. The Bible says every branch in him that bears fruit, he prunes. He begins to cut away anything that could cause that production to begin to slow down. So that, why? So that it could even bear more fruit. So what God wants, is God interested in you and I bearing fruit? Yes. So much so that he himself gets involved in the process. If you're not bearing fruit, he begins to lift you up, make sure that things are fertilized, make sure that you've got room to breathe, make sure that you've got room to grow. If you are bearing fruit, then he's going to come along and he's going to prune and he's going to cut away things that could begin to slow down the production in your life. Either way, God's going to be involved in your life. Here's the point. Aren't you glad that God wants to stay involved in our life? He doesn't just kind of leave us all floating around here on our own. He wants to be daily and regularly and intricately involved in our life. And he wants us to bear fruit. Jesus makes this statement in verse 3. To his disciples, remember he's speaking to his disciples here, you are already clean. Why? Because of the word which I've spoken to you. One of the vital parts of the process to 
producing fruit and continually producing fruit is staying pure and staying clean. And the best source of that cleansing is the Word of God. That's why, and I'm going to say this, I say it again, I know that every personality is different. I know that everyone is different. I love to read. I, my kids will tell you, my wife will tell you. She, I've said this to those who have been here a while, but I love to read so much. I love history so much. She took a college history class. She brought the book home. They wouldn't take it back. I was glad. I read the whole history book from cover to cover for fun. That's just me. I like that kind of thing. I enjoy it. Now, don't give me a biology book or a chemistry book and say, hey, you might have fun with this because that's going to go somewhere else. But, but, but I love to read. I love to read things that encourage me and motivate me and that I can learn from. But I realize not everybody has that same personality. And there's some people who can't stand to read. But I'm going to tell you something. There may be a lot of things you cannot read, but you cannot afford not to read the Word of God. If you want to have fruit, you have to be in the Word of God. It is not an option. You have to be. If you don't read anything at all, read the Bible. Be in the Word of God because it's the Word that cleanses us. The Word that Jesus makes alive in our heart cleanses us. He said, you're already clean because of the Word. If we're not in the Word on a regular daily basis, we don't even realize how much garbage builds up in our life. We get so used to it that we have attitudes and we have ideas and we have imaginings and we have dreams in our heart that aren't even of God and we don't even realize that they're how far away from God they are because we don't have the Word as the cleansing agent. And you might say, well, I listen to you preach once a week. That's not enough. Well, after I listen to you preach, I watch people on TBN and I watch people on this network and I live stream this on TV and I go, that's not enough. Jesus never said, hey, let somebody else read the... God never said, hey, go let somebody else read the Word of God for you. Go let somebody else get a revelation for you. Go let somebody else... Listen, we are no longer in a place in our world where we have to have another intermediary come between God and us. Jesus is the great high priest, and He's made all of you and I as believers a kingdom of priests. Therefore, God is saying to every one of us, you can have however close and however good of a relationship with me you want. All you got to do is come and pursue me. He said, if you'll search for me, with all your heart, you will find me. If you'll draw close to me, I will draw close to you. So here's the th thing about our lives, whether we like it or realize it or not. You've got about a much, as much of God as you want. You've got about as much of God as you want. The more you want, the more you pursue, the more you'll receive. The more of His anointing, the more of His word, the more of His revelation, the more of His life, the more of His peace, the more of His glory, and the more of His power. But you've got to pursue. And it begins... By being in the presence of God and being in the Word of God. You're cleaned because of the Word that Jesus has spoken. Now I want to really get to the meat of this in verse 4. And you're going to see this phrase repeated again and again. And anytime, by the way, God, if God says something once, it's important enough you better live by it for the rest of your life. But if God says something more than once, you cannot afford to miss what He's saying. It'll be devastating if you do. Jesus said, abide in me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Abide's a very easy word to understand. It means stay, live, make your home in. Stay, Jesus says. 
stay. You know what the biggest problem with the Church of America is and the reason for the anemic kind of power and walk many of us have? It's because we come and go. We don't stay. We come and go. We come to worship at church, and then we go and do our own thing. We come to worship again, and then we go and do our own thing. We come and we do our devotions, but then we go and we live our lives. We come and we do whatever ministry we do, but then we go and we get back to normal. We come and go. We don't stay. Jesus never said you can have great fruit and live productive Christian lives by coming and going. He said that if you want to have productive Christian lives and have the fruit of the Spirit living and abounding, you have to stay. It has to be lifestyle. It has to be every day. It has to be 24-7. It has to be live, breathe, eat, sleep this. It has to begin to consume our being. Will people think you're crazy? Yes. Will people think you're radical? Yes. They thought the New Testament church was very radical. They even made, they made fun of them. They persecuted them. They killed many of them. That's because they were so radically different. They were consumed by something that the rest of the world was not consumed with or interested in. Who they were in Christ and who Jesus was in them literally defined every decision they made, every plan they made, everywhere they went, everything they did. Jesus was everything. They didn't come and go. They stayed. And Jesus says, if you'll stay, if you'll abide in me and I in you, stay with me. Don't go anywhere else. Because here's the deal. You cannot bear fruit by yourself. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how spiritual you feel like you are. I don't care how smart. I don't care how long you've been around Christians and how long you've been around church. And you, you know, the Bible says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. You know what that means? That means that if God has ever called you, anointed you, or equipped you, and you've ever received by faith that call or that anointing, that to some degree you can still operate in that simply by accessing that by faith, and your life can be nowhere on the radar of walking with God. That boggles people's minds. That's why somebody can be in the middle of the worst scandal you can ever imagine pastoring one of the largest churches in the world. People getting saved every day by the droves. That's why somebody can be walking in the midst of some of the worst sin and be having meetings where people are getting healed from cancer. And then you see the scandal come out in the news and people, well, all that stuff must not, that must have all been fake. No, it wasn't. People really got saved. My parents got filled with the Holy Spirit, or at least were heavily influenced by a ministry that in the early 80s fell into a public scandal and wound up being a disgrace to the body of Christ. But they got legitimately filled with the Holy Spirit and led closer to God by that television ministry that was on in the, in the late 70s. Why? Because they had a gift and a calling that they had received. They were operating by faith in that gift and calling, and the Word of God did the work. See, understand something. Anything that happened good today or anything that happens good in any service, it's not because the musicians had it just right or, or I got it just right or I preached just right or the atmosphere was just right. It's because the Word of God was at work through the music, through the songs, through the teaching, and God worked with the Word. He confirms the Word. He's not confirming me and he's not uh, it is a confirmation to me but understand something what he's in Mark 16 says this he confirmed the message the word with the accompanying signs and wonders that's why you should never get all tore up about hey man I did something and God really blessed it well God loves people if he can get people close enough to the word of God he can get them something free he'll use anybody to do that he's used a rooster and a donkey too so I wouldn't crow too much 
But if we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, that's something totally different. You see, if you have the fruit of the Spirit, the character of God, that gives you staying power. You can have the gifts of the Spirit, the power of God, without the fruit, the character of God, and you can be all-powerful, but you can go way off in the left field. Mess you up, mess other people up with you. But if you have both the power of God and the character of God, the fruit and the gifts, oh my goodness, the world does not have an answer for that, and Satan does not have a weapon that can stop it. That's why Jesus said, you can't bear fruit by yourself. I don't care how smart, talented, spiritual, you can't bear fruit by yourself unless you stay. You've got to stay in the vine. You've got to stay connected to me. You've got to stay close to me. You've got to stay in my presence. There's no substitute for the presence of God. Christian, there's no substitute for the presence of God. Should we long for His presence every day anyway? Certainly we should. And if we're not longing for the presence of God, we need to take a spiritual checkup and see what is wrong in our lives. But sometimes as Christians, we get so filled up with other things that we're not as hungry for the presence of God as we should be. But that doesn't mean we need to stop spending time in the presence of God. Because the only way we see real fruit is if we stay. Verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides stays and lives in me, and I in them. He bears not just some fruit, but he bears much fruit. See, God's not just interested in you having just enough love. He wants you to bear an abundance of love so that you've got more than enough love to give to anybody who you need to have love for. He wants you to have so much joy that it's just overflowing. He says that here in a few verses. He wants you to have so much peace that it literally permeates your whole world, colors your world. Listen, how many of you have ever been in, a, in, in the midst of a stressful situation or a problem comes your way, and honestly, it colors your whole world. It affects the way you look at life. It affects the way you talk. To, you don't mean. It, it makes you irritable. It makes you, you, you know, it can, think problems can color your world. But what God wants is for you to have so much peace that it colors your world. No matter what's happening around you, it, the influence of peace, it comes out in how you talk, it comes out in how you respond to your problems, it comes out in how you treat other people, it comes out in your view of life, it comes out in everything. He wants you to be so full of fruit. He wants you to be bearing an abundance of fruit. But the only way that happens is if we stay in Him, if we live in His presence. Matter of fact, verse 6 goes on to say, If anyone does not abide, stay and live in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. The person who doesn't stay, the person who doesn't stay, quits valuing their world, just walks away. He's thrown out. But if, now I've circled that word in my Bible, if, because this is the point. All of this is a choice. Everything, I'm, you, you don't have to bear fruit. Oh, you can have no fruit if that's what you choose. The, the seed's there. But you can walk without fruit. You can be a totally unproductive Christian if that's what you want. But you'll have no life, you'll have no peace, and you'll be in danger of what he was just talking about here. I don't understand all of that, and I'm not going to get into that discussion today because it's not the point of the message. But I will tell you it's not somewhere you want to be. Or you can walk in fruitfulness. But the key is choosing to stay connected to the vine. Choose to live and abide in the presence of Jesus. You say, well, I just have problems. No, you have a choice. Well, it's just hard for me. No, 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 no. You know what is hard? It's because we compare our relationship with God to other people's relationship with God. 
We've got this favorite person who has this great prayer life. I know them. I've got them too. You know, they just, they just pray and it just, oh, man. Oh, listen to them pray. Mm, I feel something when they, oh, boy, that's powerful. I wish I could pray like that. I've got pastor friends, preacher friends. Some of them are evangelists. They can get stuff out of the Word of God. I listen to them preach. And I think, man, I read over that 23 times. I never saw it. Man, I wish I would have got that. Matter of fact, sometimes I just feel just, what's wrong with me? Why didn't I see that? Man, I wish I had that gift. I wish. And you know what? If we compare ourselves with other people's gifts and other people's callings and other people's prayer lives and other people's study life, when we begin to compare ourselves with other people, we start feeling like, well, everything I do, it's, 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 uh, I just can't, I guess I just don't know how to pray. I guess I just don't know how to study the Word. I guess I just don't know how to worship. I guess, because, why? Because this person over here seems to be getting so much more out of it than I am. And yet Paul said, don't. Compare yourself with others. He says, all such comparison is foolishness. I want to promise you something. There's only one standard that we're trying to meet. You're not trying to meet mine, and I'm certainly not trying to meet yours. We're trying to meet His. And all of us, apart from the Holy Spirit, fall far short from that standard. That's why all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's why we need a Savior. And thank God Jesus paid my price. And through His blood and by His Spirit, I have access right into His throne room. And you might listen to my prayers and listen to somebody else's prayers right beside me. And you might think, my goodness, I thought pastor would know how to pray since he's a pastor. But boy, this person over here prays a whole lot better than him. That don't make a lick of difference to me. Because you see, my prayer life is not his prayer life and his prayer life is not mine and I know God listens to me just as much listen everybody's got a different personality some people talk 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 that can be me sometimes not all the time but some people talk 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 that's just who they are they talk 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 I was going to say if that's you raise your hand but I won't do that and that's okay some people don't talk much you know what that tells me God made us all different so when the person who talks a lot comes into the presence of God they're going to talk a lot and God I think is going to do this no he doesn't he doesn't go to sleep no he never sleeps or slumbers but he, and then he's going to say yes and he's going to meet there, and, he, and the person who doesn't talk much and comes into the presence of God is like, God, I think I've got about 12 words left on my allotment for today because I think every day I've got about 25, and I've used most of them already, and I don't really know what to say, but dear Lord, help, because this is, I don't know what to do. And that's the prayer, but it's sincere, and it's genuine, and it's authentic. You know what God's reaction is? I think it's just the same. Because you see, God made us. He knit us together in our mother's wombs. The Bible said we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And whoever you are and whatever your personality is, be who you are. But understand something. Don't ever compare yourself with somebody else because they're not you. And God knows who you are and He knows how He made you and He loves you. All He wants you to do is stay. That's it. No matter what your personality. Man, some people get all knit up and, and, and fired up. And, and it's like they're preaching to the masses when they're talking to God. And that's wonderful. I've, I've, but for me, I'm just kind of like, I talk to God just like I talk to you. Neither one's wrong. Both of them are fine, as long as it's real. 
Now, if the person who gets all fired up when they're talking to God talks to you just like this, but when they start talking to God, they go off into some other kind of way, then they might, I don't know about that one. But if that's just the way they are, it's the way they are. But God responds. All He wants is for us to come, to be authentic, to be real, and to live there in His presence. But don't compare yourself to others. You've got a choice. You can't sit back and say, well, I can't know God like other people. How do you know how they know God? Well, they sure act like that can all be, you don't know that any of that's real. And I'm not trying to say judge people. We're not here to judge. I hope it is, but you don't know. Trust me, I've been around for a while. I grew up in a preacher's home. Most of that was Pentecostal preacher's home. I've seen all kinds of things around the altar of a whole lot of churches. I've seen people, and I'm all for it, but I've seen people speak in tongues all up and down the aisle and all over the place and then go to the restaurant and gossip like there was no tomorrow. Pull your toes in. It's okay. Actually, it's not okay, but pull your toes in anyway. And I've seen people come to the altar and show no emotion at all. But then I've watched them live to change life. So it's not about the emotion or lack of it. It's not about the tongues or, or whether you do or don't. It's, not about the, it's a matter of where's your heart. You see, don't compare yourself with somebody else because you don't know what's going on inside their heart one way or the other, and it doesn't matter because they rise and fall before God, not you. But you rise and fall before God, not them. And what's important is that you are getting in the presence of God. You come into the presence of God because when you do, you get into the vine, and the vine begins to produce life inside of you. And you'll begin to produce more and more and more and more fruit. Matter of fact, verse 7 is a powerful verse. How many of you love to have your prayers answered on a regular and consistent basis? Go ahead and raise your hand on that one. Those of you who don't care if your prayers are answered or not, I don't know why you're praying. I know, you just don't raise your hands no matter what I say. I can say I'll give you a million. If you want a million dollars, raise your hand. (laughs) Too bad I ain't got it. Verse 7 actually tells you how to see an effective prayer life. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will. That word will means desire. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. That's a powerful promise. But notice the condition. If you stay. If you stay, if you stay, if you stay in me, and my words stay in you. You stay in me, my words stay in you. You stay in me, my words stay in you. Then you'll ask what you desire. And it'll be done if you stay. I want you to tell you, though, that promise doesn't apply to people who don't abide in the presence of God. That promise doesn't apply to people whose the Word of God doesn't abide. You know why? Because it can't. Because if you're not in the presence of God and you're not walking in the Word of God, your desires are going to be all over the map. They're going to be as messed up as the day is long. You'll think God's speaking to you and it won't be God at all. All you'd have to do is look at His Word and see that it doesn't line up with His Word. But because you're not living in His Word and His Word's not living in you and you're not in His presence, then the desires of your heart aren't right. But the Bible says in the book of Psalms that if you delight yourself in the Lord, He gives you the desires of your heart. And that doesn't just mean, well, God's going to give me whatever I want. It means that if you're delighting yourself in God, He's going to put right desires in your heart. He's going to give you desires for the things that He desires 
for you. He's going to give you the desires for the things of his kingdom. He's going to give you desires for his presence. And when your desires are right and your will lines up with his will, the Lord wants to get those things over to you, I guarantee you, more than you want them yourself. So if you stay, if you live, if you abide, and that's a choice, if you stay in him and you let his words live and stay and abide, that means that everything in you and everything around you and everything outside of you that is trying to kill that word and kill that promise and diminish the word of God in your life. You don't allow it to happen, but you let his words stay alive inside of you. Then you will ask what you desire because your desires will be lining up with his because he's putting his desires in your heart and then he will do it. And prayers will be answered and you'll even have more fruit. Because verse 8 says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so you will be my disciple. By this, this staying in, abiding in, the Word abiding in you, this fruitfulness glorifies the Father. And He wants you to have more and more. Do you see this cycle? You stay in His presence. You stay in His Word. Your desires are made right. You seek the right things. He grants those things. Fruit grows. So, You're encouraged. You stay in His presence some more. You stay in His Word some more. You get more and more of the desires that are right. You seek the right things. You walk in the right ways. So God gives you more fruit. And He's glorified. And you're encouraged. So what do you do? You stay in His presence some more. You see how this works? At least that's the way He designed it to work. But we somehow have taken a detour. We've decided that we can come and go rather than stay. We've decided that we can fill ourselves up with everybody else's words and have fruit and just occasionally grab hold of His word. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, you stay in me and you let my words stay, abide, make a home in, live in you. Then you'll ask what you desire and it'll be done. And by this, my Father is glorified or shown to be. That word glory can mean the weight of that comes upon the reality, the tangible reality of God, the weight, the tangible reality of who God is becomes more and more evident by the more fruit you bear. When you can walk into a situation, I don't know all that's happening in Louisiana, but I guarantee you that everybody who Earl is stepping into their home and offering to help do repair work for free, and just sharing the love of God through His service on behalf of you and I and others, I guarantee you that the weight of who God is and the tangible reality of this being real is settling into those hearts and minds. I've watched Samaritan's Purse, uh, Franklin Graham's organization. I know they're down in Louisiana right now working with the flood victims. I guarantee you that every time they come in and they offer a temporary dwelling for those families or they give out some medicine where it's needed or water or food supplies where it's needed and then they offer people to come in and help uh, get the water out of people's homes or whatever it can be and ask for nothing in return except to just tell them we're doing it because we just want you to know that Jesus loves you. I guarantee you that the weight of who God is, it begins to radiate more than a thousand messages 
Baptist preached from a thousand pulpits because all of a sudden God is glorified as fruit is born. And now let's bring it home. You go to your workplace tomorrow and everybody else is griping and everybody else is gossiping and everybody else is talking about how horrible a weekend they had and everybody else is talking about how bad the world is and everybody else is talking about how bad the boss is and everybody else is talking about how political it is and everybody else is talking about everything else and you just go in and you've just got a piece that they don't understand. Number one, they'll think you're crazy and wonder what you've been drinking. But then once you begin to tell them there's nothing you were drinking except possibly the fruit of the real vine who is Jesus, then you can begin to live and, and they'll know they can see you go. Listen, they can see you go through storms just like they do and yet you have a peace that they can't begin to understand and while your world may seem to be being ravaged, you actually reach out and help other people whose worlds are in maybe even less worse shape than yours is and you reach out to them. What happens? The tangible reality of who God is becomes alive in their heart. The Father is glorified and you bear much fruit and that fruit God says he wants to remain and last. And that's what God wants in our lives. And it's possible. If there's anything you get today, I want you to understand two things. It's a choice and it's possible. Many times we decide it's just not possible for me. I guess it's possible for brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so, but it's just, it's just not possible for me. This word today is for you. It's possible for you. God doesn't pick and choose favorites. He doesn't say this is for brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so because they've got this worldwide ministry, but the rest of you, I'll show up every once in a while and you'll get something maybe once in a blue moon. And, and No, no, no. Just stay. Just stay. Stay in His Word. Let His Word stay in you. Fruit will come. It's possible, but it is a choice. The good news about that is, I don't care what kind of choices I have been making, I can change them today. I don't care what my choice was yesterday, I can change it today. That's the good thing about choices. And you know the old saying, but it's the truth. If you make enough choices consistently, often enough those choices become habits. And the habits we make become lifestyles. And those lifestyles begin to determine our destinies. Make the right choice. We want to close with just a few other verses. My wife reminded me the other day that one closing would be good instead of 12. So we're going to try to do one closing today. And everybody can thank Tammy afterwards when you beat the other churches to the restaurant or whatever. Jesus says, and this is powerful. Matter of fact, if we ever really got this next verse, it would change our lives. It would literally change our lives. You would never want to not worship God again. Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, I, I want you to think about that for a minute. The same way that the fathers love me. To the same degree that the fathers love me. To the same measure that the fathers love me. As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. So what is it that you think God won't do for you? He loves you as much as the Father loves Him.
Can you feel the weight of that? This isn't some weak, generic love. This is the love of the Father. And in the same degree, to the same measure, Jesus says that I've been loved by my Father. So I have loved you. Now, stay, live, abide, make your home in my love. Live there. Stay there. And we have our moments. Great church service, presence of God's flowing. We just feel the love of God. Carries us for a little while. Maybe you are in your time, your devotional time or whatever, and some particular statement just reaches out and grabs you. The anointing of God hits you that morning. There's a revelation in your heart. You just feel a, a, a love, the love of God, and it carries you for a while. If you've ever found moments like that or been in situations like that, isn't it amazing what just the smallest realization and recognition of the love of God for you can do? Sometimes it will carry you for months. While the love of God has rescued people out of the deepest pits, pulled people out of the worst addictions, literally changed entire nations, the love of God has. What would happen if we stayed in it? You see, it's a choice. Jesus said, as the Father's loved me, so I've loved you. Stay there. So the next time after you've been in that and you felt that, maybe even today after you've heard this message, and oh man, Jesus, you love me. I'm so grateful for that. Well, when you get out of here and the phone rings and you have a conversation you weren't wanting to have, whatever it is, or you hear some news or something happens to disturb you, make you angry, some depressing news comes your way, stress begins to try to set in, make a choice. This is real. I'm not denying the reality of what I've heard, but I'm staying in the love of God. As the Father's loved me, so Jesus has chosen to love, has loved Him, so He's chosen to love me. I'm staying there. I could be afraid, but no, I'm going to stay here. I could get confused, but no, I'm going to stay here. I could get depressed, but no, I'm going to stay here. I could get angry, but no, I'm going to stay here. I could walk into unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment over this, but no, I'm going to stay here. I've got a choice. As the Father has loved the Son, so the Son has loved me. That's a love I can't even begin to try to express, fathom, or understand. And if He loves me that much, I'm going to make the choice to live in this love. I'm not getting off of this. I'm not getting away from this. I'm not going in any other direction. Whatever the circumstance that comes my way, I'm choosing to live in this love. I may have to go to God 12 times today because of the overwhelming bombardment of the enemy and tell Him God fears trying to attack me again. God confusion is trying to attack me again. God depression is trying to attack me again. God, this disease is trying to attack me. God, this pain is ravaging me. But God, I thank you that as the Father's loved you, so you love me. And I don't have to move. I don't have to leave your presence. I don't have to walk away. I'm staying here. It's a choice. And if you'll stay there, and you'll live there, you'll make your home there, 
You'll abide there. And you'll allow His words to come alive in you. You will bear much fruit. And then the Father will be glorified in the world around you. There is no limit to what God can do. It's possible. It is absolutely possible for you and for me. But it's a choice. Every day it's a choice. I want you to bow your heads with me. Father, in the name of Jesus today, we're grateful for the presence of the Holy Spirit and the anointing that destroys the yoke that we've already felt and experienced in the room today. I thank you, God, for each one and their attentiveness to hear the Word of God today. Father God, I believe you've sent this message. God, for those who feel powerless and helpless, those who feel like maybe they don't have the option of having the kind of relationship with you that others seem to have. Father God, I thank you for hope arising in their heart. Just as we felt and prayed earlier, a resurrection of hope. Father God, that they can know it's possible. That you want them, Lord, to abide and stay in your presence and your word and your love. Father God, not only do I pray that hope would arise, but Father God, I thank you they'd know that it's a choice they can make. And they can begin making that choice right now. Lord, no matter how many wrong choices they've made before, they can start making the right choice now, and you are there for them. You love them. As the Father's loved you, so you love each of us. And you said, you can stay there if you want. You can live there if you want to. God, why would we ever choose anything else? And yet we do. I do. Father, forgive us, but dear Lord, help us. Speak hope and encouragement and peace into the hearts and the lives of your people this day. In Jesus' name. As you're there just in the presence of the Lord, just the Bible says God loved the world so much He gave everything. He gave His best. He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever, no matter where you've been, what you've done, what you've said, what you haven't said, done, whoever, believes would not perish would be destroyed would have everlasting life not a life that comes and stays for a little while but everlasting life for God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it but to rescue it to save it to deliver it through him you've come into this room today and you feel hopeless and you feel helpless and you feel powerless and the reason you feel hopeless, helpless and powerless is because you don't know the love of God. You've never experienced the freeing and the cleansing love of Jesus. You've never given Him your heart and your life. You've never allowed Him to take that place of Lordship the throne of your heart. Today can be the best day of your life. It's a choice. But you can choose to let Him love you. Let Him change you. And you don't ever have to leave His love. If you've never done that, or maybe you did make a commitment to Jesus at some point in your life, and it was real, your life changed. You can go back to a moment and you can say, hey, my life changed here. Things went well for a good while, maybe even many years, but somewhere down the line, some way, somehow, you stopped abiding. 
Maybe you didn't even mean to. Maybe it just kind of happened without you being aware it was happening. Just other things came in. You got overwhelmed. You got distracted. But you're not abiding now. You're not living in His presence. His Word doesn't have any type of real place in your life. And now you feel helpless and hopeless and powerless again, even though you have become a branch. You're in danger. But you don't have to stay there. It's a choice for you too. There's hope. You can choose to stay. He still loves you. He hadn't stopped loving you. You can choose His freedom. You can choose His forgiveness. Just like you did the first time when you came to Him. If either of those things apply to you, right where you are, would you lift both hands toward heaven? If you've never given your heart to Jesus, or you have, but you've just not been abiding, you've not been staying, and you've come back to the same place it feels like of hopelessness and helplessness and powerlessness that you used to be. You may not be doing the same things, but you don't have fruit. You don't have the life of God in you. You know it. I'm telling you, there's hope. You can choose today. He loves you, and you can stay in His love. If you need to do that, would you lift both hands right where you're seated? Anybody in this room? Anybody else? You know God's speaking to you. Anybody else? You know God's speaking to you. You may have been born again a long time ago, but you stopped abiding. You stopped staying. There could be a thousand reasons why you stopped staying. That's between you and God, but you want to you get in the vine. You, want, you know it's a choice. You know God's speaking to you. He's giving you hope today. You can be free, and you can stay in His love. Anybody else? Just real quick, both hands toward heaven, right where you're seated. Okay, I'm going to ask everybody in the room, if you would, to stand with me. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer together with me and you who just lifted up your hands own this prayer. Take these words if you agree with them and, and just repeat them. Make them your own. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much that you came for me. I thank you that you love me. I believe that. And I believe you sent your love into my heart to stay. And now, Lord, I make the choice to stay with you. Forgive me for allowing other things to come between us. I make the choice to stay in your love, to stay in your presence to stay in your word and to let your word live in me. I thank you, God, for your forgiveness and for your love, for your freedom. In Jesus' name. Now we're going to do one more thing before we go home today. We make this harder than what it is. I do it too. But I believe the Lord is calling His people back to His presence like never before. Matter of fact, I believe it's the only hope our nation has. But I really do believe that we've got to make a choice. It's either His way or your way. When I say yours, I point to me too. It's, it's either His way or our way can't be both it's either stay with him or stay with whatever it is we've been staying with lately 
We're going to do something just a little bit different. But I, and I don't want to put pressure on anybody. So here's what I want to do. If you will, just, just humor me for a moment. Would you just close your eyes? Everybody who feels the same burning in your spirit, you know God's calling you to come and stay, not to come and go. You've been coming and going way too much. Man, I feel that right now. Matter of fact, that is has become our constant pattern. We come, we go, we come, we go, we come, we go. But you know he's saying, no. The fruit comes when you come and stay. You can stay with Jesus and go to work. You can stay with Jesus and be with your family. You can stay with Jesus and do what you do unless it's something that he wouldn't do and then he can give you the grace to let go of that that you're doing so that you can stay with him. You won't miss it. But He's calling you. And you know He's calling you. You feel that fire burning. As a matter of fact, He's been dealing with you about it for a while. But you've been waiting for a moment. You've been waiting for a movement. You've been waiting for a touch. You've been waiting for a prayer. You've been waiting for an anointing. You've been waiting for a revival. You've been waiting for a conference. You've been waiting for a seminar. You've been waiting for a word. You've been waiting for a book. You've been waiting. You've just been waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm telling you, the Lord sent me, I believe, today to tell you it's a choice. You don't have to wait for something. You just got to choose. I'm staying with you, God. I'm staying. If you know God's speaking to you and you know that's what's burning in your heart, you may have been waiting for a thousand things because you didn't think you could do it without it. I'm telling you, Jesus is all you need. If you need anything else besides Jesus, then you're trusting in something else besides Him anyway, and that's a big problem. He's enough. He's more than enough, and He's got you, and He loves you more than you could ever begin to fathom, and you can stay there. You can live there. I didn't say it'd be easy. I just said you can do it if that's what you choose to do, and if you choose to do that today, and you know God's been speaking to your heart while everybody's eyes are closed, would you lift your hands? Would you just lift your hands? If you know that you're anywhere in this room, I'm not just talking. I mean, you're saved. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. You're, but you know God's speaking to you about this. This is something God's been speaking to your heart. Just put your hands up. You may not normally raise your hands. Look, just humor me. Put your hands up. There's a reason I'm doing what I'm doing. Hallelujah. 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 Now I want you to do one more thing. I know this is going to be uncomfortable. I promise you you're not alone. That's why I did it this way. I wanted to make sure you're not by yourself. There's a lot of hands up in this room. Everybody who raised your hand, I want you to come to the front. Would you? Let's use this altar for what it's made for. Let's come to the front. Let's come to the front. Let's get out of that comfort zone. Let's get out of that comfortable place where we can just stay where we are and live the way we are and not change. Nobody know the difference. Let's just come on. It's okay. It's okay. here tell him you're what I want and I don't want to go anywhere else I don't want to stay with anybody I just I just want you Jesus just you just you God I give you this everything that distracts me everything that overwhelms me everything that tugs me and pulls me away from you everything that just keeps getting me off course and off the map God I give it to you God I can I know I can stay 
It's not about emotions. It's not about feelings. I'm not telling you you're going to ride a spiritual high all the time. No, no, no. But you can stay. You can stay. Let Him have that. Just tell Him, Jesus, I believe You. And I give You me. I give You me. You know, Jesus could have anything He wanted. And He wanted you. Isn't that amazing? He could have anything He wanted in all of the galaxies and all of the universes. And He wants you. That's how much He loves you. So Jesus, today, Lord, I lift my hands with Him. Lord, we come running into Your arms. We declare that there's nothing and no one better than You. We declare that we know that You are everything we need, everything we've longed for, everything we desire. And in our best moments, that's an easy statement to make. But Lord, there are many things, many concerns, many distractions, many things that overwhelm us and try to get us out of your presence and out of your word and out of your courts. But dear God, forgive us, but here we are. Lord, we make the choice right now in this moment and we say, here we are. Jesus, we choose to stay. With your help, we'll stay. With your anointing, we'll stay. God, help us. You are our one desire. Father, you're what we want. Lord, we don't want what religion can give. We want what only you can give. Jesus, we give you our lives. We give you our hearts. We give you our past. We give you our present. We give you all of our tomorrows. Jesus, we come to stay. We don't come to go. We don't come to just be around a little while. Jesus, we come to stay. Because you came to stay with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. So, Father, even in our minds, even in our emotions, even in our hearts, God, we choose to stay with you. And we receive your anointing. We receive your presence. And we receive your love right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Would you give him glory, give him praise for his presence and answering that prayer in your heart? Thank you, Jesus. I don't know about you, but I can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit right here. The weight. He's here. And He loves you. So go and stay in His presence. Be blessed. Have a wonderful afternoon. Don't forget, praise practice this afternoon at 2 for our praise team. Bible study tonight at 6.